Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Nurtured to Love. My name is Dorinda Trick. This is a weekly look at how God made us, spirit, soul, and body, and what difference it makes. How you can discover who you truly are and your divine purpose for living when you know who you are in your spirit. Today we continue with the book entitled Opening the Gift and we're in chapter 5, The Redemptive Gift of Servant. So today's fingerprint is the blue sky, which will make more sense to you as I get into today's lesson. Some of you may have grown up with this expression. I know I heard it when I was growing up and that expression was clear as a bell. And today's atmosphere around my home at least is clear as a bell. Just beautiful, beautiful blue sky with a smattering of clouds and it's a gorgeous fingerprint of the majesty and beauty of God in the atmosphere, which is a big part of the uh, hardwiring or spiritual DNA in this identity that we call the redemptive gift of servant, which we're going to look at today. First, let's begin with a couple of testimonies. Many tragic events took place in my life when I was young, so I spent four decades of my life convinced I had no ability to set boundaries. I had inadvertently transferred all of my life and God-given authority over to an illegitimate mindset of servitude. When I began discovering and nurturing the truth in my spirit, I was set free. I began to rewrite the story of my life, nurturing my spirit with the truth that is only in His words for me. As a servant, I am free from the devil's boundaries and capable of setting boundaries of truth in Jesus. This knowledge will help mold and mature me for the rest of my life, unpacking each layer of my spirit and then repacking it in the most effective way glorifies God. I now have an excellent perspective of myself and others. Learning the dynamics of the different gifts has helped my relationships with family and friends blossom, my interaction with strangers become more personable, and my understanding of God's unconditional love deepen. The impressions on me have been life-altering and will be everlasting. There are many benefits that come from nurturing the human spirit, and one of the biggest is a better ability, a deeper ability to receive the love and the forgiveness of God, which was just spoken of in that second testimony. Let's look at the behavioral characteristics that are a reflection of the person who is designed as a redemptive gift of servant. There are seven redemptive gifts I'd like to remind you today, and you can go to Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 to see the list of seven. We looked at the first of the seven gifts last week, the redemptive gift of prophet, a visionary, bold and fearless. Um, each day parallels a different day in the creation week. And day one was the prophet's day when uh, the Lord spoke the world into being and, and and prophets are made to, they love a blank slate because they love to make something out of nothing. The second day of creation parallels the gift we're looking at today, the servant. And on the second day, God created the air and water. That's why I really believe the Lord um, prompted my attention to look up into the sky this morning because I was beginning to think about uh, sharing this incredible revelation with you today about the servant and God's heart on the second day of creation and how a person who has this DNA in their spirit 
uh, is a very special kind of person. Let's get into how special they are. Just like the air and water that was uh, created on the second day of creation, the redemptive gift of servant is a sustainer of life. We know that if you go for much more than four minutes without oxygen, you begin to die. And so uh, similarly, the redemptive gift of servant brings a spiritual oxygen to the body of Christ. And they also can be very practical in that they bring physical support to people as well. We'll get into all that in a little bit. So the redemptive gift of servant meets both the physical and spiritual needs of others, but does prefer to remain low profile. They are not comfortable with attention. So just like the air in the atmosphere is largely invisible, so too this person does not really like attention paid to them. If you go eat dinner uh, in the home of a, of a servant and they she puts on a beautiful dinner, he puts on a beautiful gourmet feast and everything is just lovely, the table setting is lovely, the home is immaculate, the dinner is scrumptious. As you get ready to leave their home that night and you pay a compliment to the hospitality and the, you know just everything that was so delightful, this person is going to, um, they're not going to want to accept that compliment at all. In fact, they typically, it's just a classic servant kind of response that once you know, uh, given a compliment, they will find something to say like, oh, well, you know, I wish so-and-so had gone better tonight. <laughs> they, they really don't uh, receive that uh, easily. The servant is very practical and flexible, a hard worker. They possess a strong ability to recognize what needs doing now, and, and they just do it. They go about doing it, even to the detriment of their own health. I have a number of servants in my life, my mother, my sister, um, two sisters-in-law, um, my niece, my stepdaughter. Um, a number of friends have a, have a really strong uh, deposit of servant in their spiritual wiring. And so I've noticed this um, pattern with many of these and all of these uh, people in my life are women that they can really um, overdo it. Um, and oftentimes they can put their health at risk because they are so passionate to work, 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 and to do everything they can to um, bring life to our family or to uh, a ministry, a business, a situation. Uh, the servant is loyal and true, and that's really what I'm talking about there. God entrusts them to be an armor bearer, and you may not have heard that expression before, but um, now that is a very special kind of person, a person who comes alongside a leader and will pray for that leader. The prayers of a servant um, for a leader can cleanse and wash the leader of the defilement uh, of culture and of sort of the outer court, if you will, because if you'll remember uh, in scripture, the description of the tabernacle and all the different elements of the tabernacle, the outer court was the part, was the area where uh, the sacrifices were done. It was a dirty, bloody uh busy place and um, the servant uh, really occupies a role in the body of Christ of uh, helping that leader, that the priest, uh, to leave the uh, chaos and, uh, you know, dirt, dirt and, and dust and, and busyness of the outer court to move into the uh, temple 
and then even into the Holy of Holies so that that leader can meet with God and receive from God what God wants to give them to lead the people. So not everybody is wired to sort of be the one to help the leader um, to, to do their job, but this person who is a servant is absolutely made by God to do that. So God trusts them to do that. They're very pure-hearted. They do not seek their own agenda. And for this reason, God has rewarded them with great spiritual authority. In fact, of the seven redemptive gifts, the gift that possesses the highest level of spiritual authority is the redemptive gift of servant. They have been anointed by God to pray for leaders, but also to pray for life, to pray for health, to come against the spirit of death and to come against even the spirit of premature death because oftentimes we know the enemy will try to take leaders out uh, so that they cannot fulfill their calling God, they cannot complete their assignment, and uh, the servant is tapped by God to lift that leader up in prayer so that the leader is protected and um, again cleansed from the defilement of uh, life so they can go in to the Holy of Holies and receive what God is giving them for the people. The redemptive gift of servant is a person who loves the unlovable. I always think about holiday time and family when I share this because, you know, oftentimes in family life, there is one person that is difficult and many of us in the family have tried to come alongside that individual to love on them and to, uh, you know, speak to them and, and bring them along. And because they are challenging, oftentimes we get very frustrated because we can't seem to make any uh, headway, can't make any inroads with that individual. But the person who is a redemptive gift of servant is really wired by God to be what we call a porcupine hugger. And so they can come alongside deeply wounded people to show them God's grace and mercy for healing. They just never give up. That's a beautiful thing about servants. It's a beautiful thing about givers, too. They're just people that they they just don't take no for an answer regardless. And uh, they keep on keeping on. That truly is uh, part of the character and the heart of God. He never stops pursuing us. They have eyes of love for the hardest cases. They care for and minister to leaders, as I mentioned earlier. An armor bearer is one expression, but that really describes a person who has a very distinct assignment from God um, and uh, is considered an intercessor uh, in the kingdom. And again, that is, that's, that's beyond the scope of this lesson today, but it certainly describes a person that God has designed for deep prayer um, a true identification with the leader so that they can pray God's will and God's heart over the leader. Um, the servant also prays again for restoration in families. They pray for the sick, especially in, in threatened premature death. They also are anointed, empowered by God to pray for nature, weather, and land. Oftentimes, the person who is a redemptive gift of servant struggles with a victim mindset. They may not even struggle with it so much because many times they are victimized in childhood. Uh, we must keep in mind that 
rarely do we know what our spiritual identity is in childhood, but the spirit realm knows, God knows, of course, and the enemy knows. And so the enemy will come against this great gift um, by uh, creating uh, experiences in which the person is victimized and abused. And so they tend to really feel worthless and they'll tolerate indignity and shaming, especially in their family. You may notice that there's one person in the family that everybody just seems to sort of make fun of and tease and kind of ridicule. Um, I've seen this with a brother-in-law in my family, and I recognize now he has a good bit of servant in his wiring from God. And for some reason, they'll tolerate this. They won't stand up for themselves. And what happens in family, as I'm sure you are aware, is families just sort of get um, entrenched in these in these um, patterns that are, you know, they're not they're not God honoring. They're not people honoring. Uh, it's sort of a funny thing, a ha ha, a joke. And um, the more I've come to understand how God has made us, and of course His will for us is that we all walk in honor and nobility and dignity, and that we treat each other likewise. So you may recognize that um, and recognize even a person in your family that has been treated that way. Um, The servant will believe lies that cause them to feel inadequate for spiritual responsibilities or authority because and not because, but in addition to this also, they are peacekeepers. Now, I've heard this taught uh, before that, you know, Jesus was a peacekeeper, and I beg to disagree. Jesus was a peacemaker, and there is a tremendous difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. We really should aim to be peacemakers, which means we are willing and we are able to work through conflict with others so that we make peace between them and ourselves. Peacekeepers oftentimes will, again, tolerate dignity, indignity rather, uh, which is uh, unfortunately uh, the stock and trade for servants. They will keep peace at any cost, even to uh, the detriment of themselves, their health, or and, and or others. The epitome of a victim mindset is a person who will, t- who will tell you why it's right for things to be wrong, and that describes many servants. They are a team player, however. They see the best in others. They're very, very loyal to family, as I mentioned earlier. They're totally trustworthy and reliable, and they have pure motives. They're straightforward, honest, and true. They want others to achieve their best, and that's how they experience their greatest fulfillment is when they know that they have helped someone, helped position someone to achieve their best. Now let's look at the servant in Scripture from Esther chapter 8, verses 3 through 6, but first I'll say this. The servant does know and protect her boundaries as she walks in childlike obedience to God. Now this would again be... um, the mature servant. This is a person then that does know her boundaries. No, they know his. He knows his boundaries. He knows his um, boundaries and protects them, and is able to walk in childlike obedience to God. Not childlike obedience to man, but to God. And Queen Esther was just such an example of this gift. So listen with your spirit to the word of God for you now. Then Esther again spoke to the king, falling at his feet, begging with tears, to counter the evil of Haman the Agagite, and revoke the plan that he had plotted against the Jews. 
The king extended his gold scepter to Esther. She got to her feet and stood before the king. She said, If it please the king and he regards me with favor and thinks this is right, and if he has any affection for me at all, let an order be written that cancels the bulletins authorizing the plan of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, to annihilate the Jews in all the king's provinces. How can I stand to see this catastrophe wipe out my people? How can I bear to stand by and watch the massacre of my own relatives? Again, that is Esther, chapter 8, verses 3 through 6. Servant, your primary heart motivation is to see all things restored. This makes your prayers very precious in God's sight. You tend to be guileless, an individual who carries no ulterior motives. So when God speaks, you obey. He trusts you, but you can really struggle with trusting and respecting yourself. In order to develop the spiritual identity and legitimacy God gave you, you must make a choice. You must choose to allow the Holy Spirit to grow you up. You must decide you're going to be fiercely intentional in positioning yourself for Him to do this. How? One way is by blessing your spirit every day aloud with the Word of God and its blessings. And I want to remind you here of a wonderful resource for you available on Amazon or on Arthur Burke's ministry website, which is called TheSLG.com. The book you need to purchase is called Blessing Your Spirit by Arthur Burke and Sylvia Gunter. It's $15, I believe. A wonderful, wonderful resource. It was the very first book I ever got on blessing my spirit, blessing the human spirit, and it is a total game changer. That uh, would be a wonderful resource for you to use to get into that daily habit of blessing your own spirit. Servant, you've been designed to have spiritual authority in the following areas, okay? Number one, to comfort and care for leaders through practical assistance in prayer so they may enter into God's presence. Number two, to usher families into the kingdom of God, salvation, restoration, healing, deliverance. Number three, to come against the spirit of death, particularly in the case of premature death, So read the book of Esther. She is your role model. Call your spirit to attention and just read that book aloud. It's a short book. I want to say it's four chapters. I may have that wrong, but it's a relatively short book. Something you could easily do during your quiet time. Number four, to call forth restoration over land, buildings, and ecology. Again, I'm ticking off for you now, servant, your different areas of spiritual authority. You may be like, where does she get this? Well, in a minute, we're going to get into what, what is the basis of your spiritual authority. You're, you'll understand it more in a moment. Number five, to seek God for other servants who will join you to pray for leaders. Open your mind to praying for institutions outside the church. I like to tell a story that's really not mine. Uh, I got it, again, from Arthur Burke uh, quite a few years back, but he tells the story of an intercessor who did just what I, I just shared with you, and she gathered other intercessors in Orange County, California, many years ago when gang violence had reached really a crisis point in that county. They went to the city hall, I believe it was, and began to walk the halls 
of, uh, and it could have been the county courthouse. I think that might be more accurate. But anyway, they walked the halls of that building uh, silently praying over the land and over uh, the population there. And as a result of that, gang violence went down dramatically. And so we have to get uh, out of that religious mindset that we sometimes have that everything religious and spiritual needs to happen within the four walls of a church and recognize that God has assignments for all of us uh, in culture and all around the place (laughs) and in the world and to hear with our spirit what God is prompting uh, us with his spirit to do. And that's exactly what that story is about. Your weakness is to default to living like a victim. See yourself through God's eyes. He finds you trustworthy because you don't use the power he gives you for your own agenda. As you step up to the plate and do the things God's put in your heart to do, you'll be blessing others and yourself. You'll gain spiritual muscle, authority, to bring the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit to earth. Remember, the demonic is utterly secondary. It cannot take hold unless there is a mindset it can attach to. If there is no mindset, there is no legal right of the enemy to bring oppression. Continually renew your mind in the Word of God so you can walk in your calling. You have the mind of Christ. Now let's look at the birthright and battlefield for this redemptive gift of servant. When the servant does what God designed her to do, she will be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. She'll be fulfilled in her life and be a life giver to others, especially leaders. As the servant quickly obeys God's voice, God trusts him to pray for leaders and for restoration in all things. God gives the servant a greater impact in prayer, and this is based on his design and deep loyalty to God. The servant's purpose is to advance God's kingdom values in the earth by releasing God's cleansing and purifying power in all situations. And see, that is a function of the atmosphere and water is to cleanse and purify. Situations get restored and people are healed and positioned to reach their destiny. It's often surprising to watch the way a person with the redemptive gift of servant responds in a situation. Watch one. You'll see they don't flinch, second-guess, analyze, or worry about stuff the way some other people do. They don't concern themselves with implications and outcomes. They leave all that up to God to to resolve those issues. They simply hear and obey. They walk in childlike faith. This is God's gift to the servant and His gift to us who need help trusting God's leading voice. It's not unusual for a servant to grow up in a family in which he is dominated by others. This can be by parents, siblings, relatives, or all three. Later, he may marry a dominating spouse or get a job with a boss who's a dominator. The devil works through these relationships and experiences to steal the servant's sense of self-worth. Think about what you've read so far. Wouldn't you, if you were the devil, fight tooth and nail to keep that servant deceived about who he is and who God made him to be, his birthright? Even when servants see power being misused and abused, they rarely confront it. Remember, they're peacekeepers. 
they may fail to recognize abuse because they're accustomed to thinking of themselves as less than and being treated that way. The, they aim to keep peace at all costs. No problem for the dominators who just keep on dominating. But this is not God's best for the servant. So this brings us to the battlefield, which for the servant is to walk in godly authority rather than a victim mindset. The servant must learn who he is and who God has made him to be. His place in the community of the human spirit is like no other. No other gift walks at such a high level of spiritual authority. It's a place of honor and dignity. Servants must stop allowing themselves to be controlled by others more than being controlled by God. They must fight to accept that their true identity and worth comes from Him. Servants need to protect their boundaries around their time, talents, and relationships and not become a doormat for others to walk on. Only when the servant learns to connect with God will he be able to give a godly no before he gives a hearty yes to the demands of others for support and assistance. You may have heard this expression before, but it, it's very valid. You really cannot say yes if you can't say no. We get caught in that trap sometimes, don't we? Jesus set a powerful example for us in this. During his time on earth, he showed us that he responded to his Father, not the needs of man. There were many times that he picked up and moved from a place where there were great needs to go on to the next assignment his Father had for him. It didn't matter to Jesus when others didn't understand him or even came against him. His legitimacy was not based on their approval, but on the love of his Father. He knew what his Father wanted him to do, and he did it. This is the kind of unshakable security he wants for us, a rock-solid knowing that we are living inside the strength of his will for our lives. I love that expression. God gave that to me, and he reminded me of it not that not that, that long ago. It's probably a good month or so ago, but somehow it came back to me to live within the strength of his will, living inside the strength of his will. If you live inside the will of God, then you are in a strong place. You may feel weak even, right? Because we know in our weakness, God's strength is perfected. And, you know, nobody likes that way of God because we don't really like to be weak, do we? Um, I was battling a cold a couple of weeks ago, and, um, you know, during that time, you, you can really feel out of control and underwater, so to speak, right? But I had a strong sense of God's presence with me. Um, this is, again, a benefit of nurturing your spirit, that even when bad stuff comes, things hit, and you know how colds can hit quickly, you can sense deep within you that, again, there's nothing to be afraid of. Everything's fine. I didn't get scared that I had COVID, and that's significant, you know, for us these days. I mean, it seems to have passed for now. We're, we're kind of in a lull, and I pray that that will remain. Um, we're not really sure about the future. Only God knows what's ahead, but as we walk this life out, remaining in peace is critical, and I was very grateful for God, uh, to God for that living inside the strength of His will for our lives. That's what God wants you to have, an unshakable security. I've known some tremendous servants in my time, but I didn't know that it was a redemptive gift of God that I was witnessing. 
Most of them were women, as I've mentioned, breaking their backs to serve and meet the needs of the rest of us. It seemed they walk with an uncanny knack. Others would call this an anointing from God, and it is. It's a passion, truly, to know what's needed in a situation and, and provide it before anybody even asks for it. Another indicator that you are dealing with a gift that God gives is there is life on it. And I don't mean just life, but I mean abundant life. You can tell the person loves to do what they're doing. They can't seem to stop doing it. They can't get enough of it. This is surely the case with the servant. They just go from one thing to the next continuously. There always needs to meet physical, spiritual, emotional, um, and the servant stands ready to meet them. We have a few more additional application points here for the servant, so hang with me a little longer here. You know, this may sound dramatic, but the battle really is for dignity. The servant must be established in godly authority and dignity. This comes as a result. It's a fruit of nurturing your spirit. What does that mean? blessing your spirit aloud daily, telling your spirit directly, speaking, saying to yourself as I would do for myself, Dorinda, listen with your spirit. Today I was in Psalm 14, Proverbs 14. I've also been, the Lord said, go to Joshua. I want you to read about Joshua again, you know, taking the land, taking the land. And so I've been purposing to read the word aloud to my spirit. And I do feel a strength coming and I I want to continue with that. Um, The servant has a great ability to meet needs and be a loyal team member, serving all kinds of leaders, but they can easily tip over into exhausting themselves. So, you need to establish a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Set boundaries around your health and well-being. Protect it through good nutrition, exercise, rest, fun. To develop your spiritual authority, servant, you need to feed your spirit. Your spirit is the receptacle God designed for His love and his legitimacy. You can't walk in authority if you don't feel legitimate. Legitimacy comes first. Everything comes from it. Legitimacy means knowing that you are loved by God and that you are worth something, that you have been made for a purpose, a divine purpose. Everything follows legitimacy. It's the groundwork for for the rest of the spirit, soul, and body. You should call your spirit to attention to hear the truth of God's word for you. This feeds and nurtures you and will bring you up. You'll begin to feel more deserving of respectful behavior from others and treatment by others. You'll learn how to train others how to treat you with respect, and you'll reject dishonor. Jesus walked this way, and he expects us to do the same. Do not buy into the lie that helping other people succeed is what makes you a worthwhile human being. This is a savior mentality. It can also set you up to be victimized by other people. Remember, the servant's legitimacy comes from two things and two things only. God loves you, and when he made you, he judged you as good. Your worth does not come from serving people in this way. Your worth comes from God and God alone. You must do what God tells you to do and let God build the success platform for you and for others. We'll finish with a blessing again today. I hope you've enjoyed this lesson on the redemptive gift of servant. Listen with your spirit now to this blessing for you. I call the servant portion of your spirit to attention in Jesus' name. Servant, I want to bless and celebrate you as the second of the redemptive gifts found in the human spirit. You're the portion of God's light 
he made to cleanse, support, and protect life, like the atmosphere and water of the second day of creation. This is who you are and who God made you to be. This is your birthright. I bless you, servant, with providing the atmosphere that sustains physical and spiritual life. I bless your love and loyalty for your Father God, which is the power that generates your spirit. You have a heart for God to serve Him, so you serve His sheep in physical and spiritual ways. You delight to serve God at His pleasure. His agenda is your agenda. I bless you with following God's agenda and the fulfillment it brings you when you do. I bless you, servant, with accepting the greatness of your gift. You may have experienced abuse by which the enemy sought to delegitimize you. The assault may have been great because your gift is great, and he knows that. Still, I bless you, servant, with recognizing your Father God is infinitely greater than your enemy. He knows full well what he has deposited in you. I bless you with receiving the authority he has entrusted you with. I bless you with responding obediently to the Spirit of God as he gives you assignments that will bring his restoring power into broken people and situations. Servant, I bless you with possessing the spiritual authority to come against the power of death, and in particular, premature death. You have the redemptive gift of Queen Esther, who walked in spiritual authority over both physical and spiritual death. Like Esther, who stood against the potential extermination of all Israel, you stand in the gap for those who are perishing both spiritually and physically. You bring your great faith in God's goodness and faithfulness to bear on a crisis situation. Servant, I bless you with receiving your legitimacy by receiving God's love and trusting in who He says you are, not in the definition given by the people or circumstances around you. Never has this been more vividly portrayed than when Jesus hung between two thieves on a cross. When the thief told Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. That's Luke 23, verse 43. Despite the circumstances, Jesus knew who he was. The fact he was being crucified did not touch who he was or who his father made him to be. He possessed his birthright even as he hung on the cross. He knew he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world to redeem all mankind. I bless you, servant, with knowing deep in your spirit you have been called to such a time as this. I bless you with allowing the Spirit of God to help you make peace with your past so you can begin to walk in high authority, partnering with your Father God to bring many sons and daughters into submission to His life-giving laws. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I bless you. Again, today, that was Opening the Gift. I believe it's chapter 5, and we looked at the redemptive gift of servant. I'm Dorinda Trick. Join me each week as we explore the beauty of redemptive design God has deposited in each of our own spirits. See you next time on Nurtured to Love.